Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want to just talk to you for just a few minutes. I, there's no way I can elaborate on this, but just want to kind of crack open the word to you for a moment and make a deposit for you. Is that all right? Give you something good to take home. It's found in Galatians chapter... Actually, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's skip that part. I, want to, I do want to talk to you about how for a couple of minutes, one is made righteous. To be made righteous, righteousness means to have good standing with God, to be declared innocent, to be declared righteous. Uh, and there is no man on planet earth that can declare him righteous and therefore truly be righteous. He can be self-righteous in that way, but he cannot have a revelation or understanding of the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is imputed by God to us by faith in His Son. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. But the lie of religion is that you can. The lie of religion is that, first of all, religion always gets you thinking there's something wrong with you. You're guilty for something. You don't measure up enough. And so it keeps you thinking Something's wrong and I have to fix it. The problem is you can't fix it. I made my peace with God. It's impossible. You can't make your peace with God. Jesus had to do that for you because you couldn't. Even on your best day, no matter how hard you tried. Maybe you had a really good, maybe you had a good three days in a row where you read your Bible three days in a row. Imagine that. Maybe even prayed a couple of times in there. And so you felt like, okay, I'm dressed for the occasion now because I've got some consistencies in my life. And so religion dresses up in this kind of attitude, this kind of thinking that we do enough right stuff then, then we can have a confidence about our relationship with God and our approach to God. But all that's a lie. All that is a very weak and frail lie. Hebrews chapter 10 teaches us something about righteousness in this way. For the law, this is talking about the law of God, the law of Moses. Y'all know it as the Ten Commandments. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, just a shadow, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. So what this is referring to is the sacrificial system that God had uh, instituted through Moses and the children of Israel when they were on their way to the promised land and he had them to make a copy of what was in heaven in Moses' tabernacle. But because of the people's sins and because Jesus had not come yet, there had to be a substitutionary sacrificial system where they would slay these bulls and these goats, these lambs, for the people's sins. And so this was a, there was a continuation of the shedding of blood. It happened all the time. As a matter of fact, it, it, and it said if there was enough blood shed, it cannot, there, there cannot be enough blood shed to make someone perfect. So now watch, as a result of that, it, since it couldn't make them perfect, even though they offer continually year by year, verse 2, for then... Would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins? I want to say something to you about the, your conscience. Don't buy into the world philosophy or lie to, oh, just follow your conscience. Your conscience is not the thing to follow. Huh? It is, 
because your conscience many times is going to, it's going to work against you. It's going to condemn you rather than give you a confidence. Many times, have you ever invited anybody to church and had them say something like this? It's happened to me a number of occasions. Oh, if I walked through there, the roof would cave in. If I'd walk through those, God would strike that place with lightning. Hmm? See, it's, it's this sin consciousness. It's an evil consciousness. Because they are hoping, they're, they're trusting in their own effort to be able to do enough good stuff to get cleaned up so that they could have a rightful approach to a place like church or in prayer to God. But see, that's the lie. Because the church is where actually we get stuff fixed. The church is here to help the weak become strong, to help the lost become found, to help the sinner become a saint. Amen. That's what we're here for. You can't do it out there. This is where it happens. See, that's, that's the trap. That's the lie that people are fed. It's just human reasoning thinks like that, that we don't measure up and never will, and God's angry or they're angry at God, and so there's a lot of misunderstanding because righteousness many times is misunderstood. It's not something that we should do. Oh, it's better than that. It's something that we have become. It is our condition. Righteousness is our condition. The scripture says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is a powerful thing. So look at this. So since they can't be, since they cannot be uh, purified or made perfect by those All those sacrifices, look, for then they would not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers. Once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. It would have been over because now that reminder is gone. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year because they have to continue to sacrifice these animals for the people's sins. They are continually reminded of their sin. They're continually reminded of their failure. They're continually reminded of their defeat, why they don't measure up. And it's this, this vicious cycle of condemnation, guilt, shame, Again and again. And so they never get to rise above or overcome these failures in their life. Because they're going to be reminded again and again and again. Because blood just has to, it has to keep being shed for their failures. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. And other, what that means is it's not possible that their sin consciousness could ever be removed from them. It would always plagued them. But thank God that's not the end of the story. Thank God that's not the end of the story. Because years and years later, there's a man by the name of John the Baptist who was baptizing people. He was a voice crying out in the wilderness, the scripture says, crying out saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He was what's known as a bridge prophet from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Very unique position. Only one guy could really do that. And it was John. But one day he saw Jesus come. Jesus had come, born of a virgin. He's grown up, and now he's coming into his ministry. And John sees him, and he says to everybody there, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, his blood did better than just cover. It has removed our sins, eradicated them forever. Now, right there in that statement, I find it, I think it's kind of miraculous that John the Baptist didn't get stoned to death. I mean pelted with rocks when I say stoned. All right? That they did not uh, inflict the, the, the law's punishment upon him. Because in that one statement, he completely did away with or canceled 
Judaism and the sacrificial system as they knew it. If he says it takes away the sin of the world, then why are we still killing animals then? If he's the one, oh, he's the once for all sacrifice. Oh, man, thank God for Jesus. You you are so blessed today to live on this side, on the other side of the fact that Christ died for your sins and he was buried and he rose again from the dead. Ooh, that's back there. That's behind you. Now you are living in a new covenant reality today. It's not one where you're having to jump through hoops and get everything right. No, no, no. It's so much better. It's so much better than you trying to have a good conscience before you approach God and try to get cleaned up. That's one of the saddest things to me that communion time in many churches. Now, I grew up in church, and I have grew up in some very religious kind of atmospheres. And, and communion, I was scared to death many times to take communion. Because they made me feel like I better have everything confessed, and I better have everything cleaned up, or I might, not die, I might live. Not, I might die in that service. Right? I might get some kind of sickness or disease because who takes it unworthily will be guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus. Like, God, I don't, why would I even want to touch that? Not realizing that unworthily means if you're not in the family, you're not worthy. But to be in the family, all you have to do is believe on Jesus. Oh, well, that's pretty easy. I don't have to be a member of a church. Well, not here. Some churches you do, but not here. You just have to be a member of the family of God. Unworthily, not discerning the Lord's body. All that means is, is that some of you are missing out on what Jeremiah was talking about. Healing. His body was broken, not so that your body can continue to be broken, but that your body can be healed. Imagine that. Yes. Amen. Hmm? And that we're considering one another in this. And that we remember him. Jesus said, do this remembrance of me, not of your failure, not in remembrance of your failure and how unworthy and guilty you are, but the fact that now we proclaim the Lord's death. If we proclaim the Lord's death, then we also proclaim the death of sin. We proclaim the death of death. Hell and the grave and its power over us. The curse that was against us now has been completely broken by his once for all sacrifice. And my family, if Jesus, did he take away the sins of the world? Did he do it? Did he do it? Did his blood really take away the sins of the world? We have to answer that question because if you truly believe that, if you really do believe that, oh man, then you won't have any problem ever coming boldly before the throne of grace because you realize it's not by your works of righteousness, it's by his blood. Let's look at this, verse 19. I'm almost through. I have done pretty good so far. It's only 12.08. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter through a clear conscience. Is that what it says? Enter the holiest by the what? By the blood of Jesus. Hey, I quit trusting myself a long time ago. I found that the blood of Jesus is all I needed to have a revelation of, that his blood truly has purified me to the fullest, where I could come to a place called the holiest place. Now, that's interesting that it doesn't just say a holy place or into church or whatever, but you have to understand how that tabernacle was. There was an outer court, there was the holy place, and then there was the holiest. And there were... Two curtains, and behind this second curtain was called the Ark of the Covenant, where it housed the presence of God. And only one guy got to go back there, and he might not survive the experience. He has to have every T crossed and every I dotted if he's going to go behind that second veil where that Ark is. He's called the High Priest. He was the high priest, and he had to go back there, and he couldn't go back there without blood. Just once a year, that's all he could do. One guy, once a year. 
And he'd go back there and he'd take that blood and he would sprinkle it on that mercy seat for his own sins and the sins of the people. And I'm sure he got that thing as quickly done as possible and to get out back from behind that bill. But they tied a rope around that high priest. Because just in case, he didn't have everything perfect. And he went in there into that perfect holy presence of God and boom, was struck dead. Then they could just pull him out from under that, out of there with that rope. Nobody had to go back there. Nobody else had to die. It's true. It's how it was. But this says that you, what the blood of Jesus has done for you has given you entrance to the holiest place. Not just an audience. It tells you how you can come to the holiest place. Not groveling, not unworthy, not begging, but boldly. Woo! What an amazing reality this is that the blood of Jesus has brought to us. Paul reminds us, hey, you pagan, bacon-eating Gentiles, let me remind you something, that at one time, at one time, you were away from God. You were aliens and strangers to God's covenant. You had no relationship with God. You were without hope, and you were without God in the world. But now, but now, you who were far off have been brought near. How? By the blood. By his blood. That's how you're made righteous. Don't trust in yourself for righteousness. Don't trust in yourself for right standing with God. Put all your trust in him. See, there is a creed that many churches say, and I think it's a good creed. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again from the dead. That's good. That's not really the whole story. That's the history said without the mystery. Because the mystery in it was this. Christ died for our sins. There's the redeeming factor. There's the reason why he came. He didn't just die. Lots of people died on crosses, didn't save anybody. But Christ died for our sins. That's what separated his cross from everybody else's. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. To bring us into a righteousness reality. A righteousness condition. That we who were dead in our trespasses, he has made alive together with him. By grace you have been saved. Does that help you today? Does it encourage you? Hmm? It encourages me. It encourages me because I know me. And I'm really glad to know him. Who took me where I was. Loved me anyway, saved me anyway, called me by his grace so that all of us can stand here in our place in the world today and say what Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what I stand on. That's what I stand in. And I can come before him boldly, not by a clear conscience, but by his blood. Hey, you can come boldly even with a guilty conscience. <laughs> Matter of fact, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it because everything in you is going to say, Stop doing that! You're not worthy, you sinner! But don't give in to that. You, by faith, go anyway! And there's where you're going to find grace and there's where you're going to find mercy because God does not allow you to come on your terms He's laid out the terms, and his terms are come boldly. 
Because you're not just slaves working for a man, a master. You're not just employees in the kingdom. You are children of God. Therefore, whatever he has is yours. He's your father today. Remember that. Remember that you are the righteousness of God. And when, if you'll grab a hold of that and believe that with your heart, if you'll think those kind of thoughts and if you'll confess that with your mouth, just say that right, just for this moment. Say, I am, I am the righteousness of God, righteousness of God. In, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. Not by my works, but by his blood. In Jesus' name. Doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah. You'll feel gooder the more you say it. Amen. You'll see things the right way. This kid, little boy, walked, was in a YMCA, and he got lost. And he wandered into the ladies' locker room. And all of a sudden, there was all these shrieks and shrills and women grabbing towels and running for cover. And little boy just stood and watched all of it in amazement. He says, what's wrong with you? Never seen a little boy before? Don't let religion have you running scared. Huh? Trying to cover up or Listen to me. You trust the blood so that you can have a right perspective. A right perspective of who you are. Amen. And who he is in you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for this moment. Thank you, Lord, for the righteous reality that we have through the blood of Jesus. That we who were far off have now been brought near by that precious blood. Lord, today, we want to say thank you. Thank you for paying the ultimate price by giving your own life. And Father, the love that you showed us, I cannot as a father comprehend. I have three children and I wouldn't give them up to save anybody's life. But you so love the world that you gave us your son. What a love. You took all the risk in that. You took all the risk with no guarantees that anybody would believe it because we still had to choose. You gave us the power to choose. You took all the risk by giving up your son, and yet, Lord, this good news compels us. This love is so wonderful, it's virtually irresistible. God, that we would be those who would simply share that love and not be ashamed of that good news, to not try to add anything to it, any man-made ideas or practices or loopholes, any of that garbage. But we will simply be those who will be faithful to share this good news, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. Maybe you're here in this moment, in this service. I believe God brought you here to hear this today. Don't try to trust in yourself and your own good works. And don't spend one more second without a relationship with him. Listen, this grace has been extended to all men, but this day is coming to a close. Why would you take any risk in that way when he offers you so much assurance in his son? He wants to give you his gift of eternal life, his gift of salvation through believing on his son. So today, believe on Jesus. You can simply say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I accept him as my savior. I know I can't save myself. So I believe in Jesus. 
If that's you, if you're saying that, you believe that today, right now, in this moment, there has been a miracle that has taken place. A supernatural thing has happened. You have now become born again. A whole new creation in Christ Jesus. And maybe if you're here today and you're, you've just not been living for God, you know Him, you believe in Him, but you've been away from Him. It's as simple as just simply saying, Father, I'm coming back to you today. Thank you that your arms are wide open to me. You're not condemning me. You're not, you're not angry with me. And I thank you for your grace and your mercy in my life. And you just make a fresh commitment to Him right now. Lord, I just, again, dedicate myself to you. Thank you for a new start. Thank you for a new beginning. That the slate is clean through Jesus' blood. And you are the God of not just another chance, but many, many, many. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now go share this good news with somebody this week. Somebody you work with. A friend, a stranger. Let them know what Jesus has done for them. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.